having friends and even my own kids who can stand up here and lead us in worship. It just made my heart explode today I, just with joy and with all that God is doing and all that he's done. I'm so proud of them and so thankful for them. I also want to thank all of you for allowing me to have a Sunday off last week because Callie and I got to go watch the Steelers game together, and they won. And I guess there's some Steelers fans in here. Uh, I had several people tell me that they won because we were there. Because we went to the game, they were able to pull it out and win. So I'm sure with Pastor Joel being such a huge Steelers fan, I'm sure he's now going to give me off for all the home games so that I can go. Uh, and make sure that they have a winning season. Um, yeah, uh, one thing I did want to mention for you, for some reason, the slide that we showed for our congregational meeting had the wrong date on it, and so I wanted to mention, make sure that you were doubly aware that it is Sunday, October 29th is when that meeting is. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be an important part of our life together every year. Uh, but so it is that time of year again, not just for a congregational meeting, but also it's that time of year that people like to call spooky season. It's the few weeks leading up to the end of October. Everybody knows what happens at the end of October, right? Halloween, right? Spooky season. This is the time of year when people get excited to see spooky decorations like cobwebs and bats and all kinds of stuff in, in people's yards. Uh, it's the type of year, the kind of, uh, the part of the year where people like to eat crayons. Oh, I mean candy corn. I'm sorry, I, I misspoke. Uh, yeah, they like to eat that, and they like to watch scary movies and TV shows, too. Uh, in fact, the other day I turned on my TV, and I saw all these uh, ads for spooky TV shows and movies that they wanted you to watch. I have them up there. I took a picture of my screen, three different ones. They're blurry because I didn't think you all need that in our worship service, but I wanted you to know that that is out there, and there's a lot of it, and that's what we're talking about today a little bit with our new series called The Unseen. We're starting this new series because at this time of year, people like to be scared. They like the thrill of some kind of a brush with darkness. There's haunted attractions, and there's costume parties, and there's people making themselves look like ghosts and monsters and zombies and frightening things of all kinds. Uh, even scary things can sometimes happen in the church, and no, I'm not talking about any one person's like sermon or, or singing attempt or anything like that. There are scary some, sometimes things that happen in the church. I was watching a uh, clip from a podcast that I want to share with you this morning. I thought it'd be interesting in, in the, the framework of spooky season for us to see this little clip of these three youth pastors who have a podcast called Youth Group Chronicles. And these guys talked about what happened one night to a youth pastor who got scared while he was working at church. Check this out. I tend to do my office work at the church at very odd hours due to it not being my primary job. Sometimes 6 p.m., sometimes 2 a.m. Well, one night I went to our youth space and I was prepping the space for the next day. As I was upstairs, I was unloading in the dark. I began to hear a soft cooing of a baby and then it went quiet. I froze, hands full of supplies. Nah. <laughs> I'm nah. leaving. Nah, I wouldn't be up there. <laughs> As I turned in a circle, looking around at nothing but darkness, a child let out a quick little laugh. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I'm nope. swinging. Nope, no shot. If, if it gets knocked out, it's fine. I'm <laughs> swinging. I dropped everything and just stood there waiting for a fist fight with a toddler. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. 
And then after about 45 seconds, it happened again. Somebody's getting knocked the freak the out. The same cooing <laughs> and then the same laugh. Finally, it clicked that I had heard those sounds before. As I spun around and twisted my head, I noticed a small blue light on one of our Bluetooth speakers I was using for when we were playing games. Turns out my phone was nah. in my truck and it had connected to the speaker and it was playing a video of my nephew. Nah, bro, I'm swinging. The hair would be standing <laughs> up on the back of my neck. Here's the thing, though. I'm not giving it a second chance. No, I'm, I'm not, not in the building again. anymore. I'm, I'm not, not in the building again. anymore. I am gone. You will never <laughs> see me in that building again. So this is one of those things that happens sometimes, and we get scared. You know, you're in the dark, you hear a noise, or you see something move, and you're like, what's going on? Is it supernatural? Is it otherworldly, right? But in this case, and some you know, many other cases like this, there is some natural explanation for what has just happened. You know, we see TV shows based on this idea, this curiosity about the paranormal, spirits from some other realm. And in, a, in the case of the youth pastor, it was just a Bluetooth speaker. It was a completely natural and innocent thing. And you saw all those guys, they were like, no, I'm, I'm done with that, right? Because we get scared and we think there's something crazy going on. I was thinking about when I was younger, and I like to watch the Scooby-Doo cartoon. Did anybody watch Scooby-Doo when you were younger? Scooby-Doo was a lot of fun. Scooby-Doo was like that. It was like, okay, there's some kind of spooky mystery going on. There's a monster, there's a zombie, there's a ghost, there's something that's terrorizing this group of people, right? And they can't figure out why or where it came from or what it really is. And at the end of the show, once they've figured out the mystery, what do they do? They take the mask off and there's just some guy there that was doing this, this thing that was creating this hoax to try and benefit himself in some way, right? It was a completely natural explanation for the situation, now, that doesn't mean that the supernatural realm isn't real. It is. It doesn't mean that darkness isn't real. It is. So we thought, let's talk about this stuff. As a pastor team, we talked about this, and we thought at this time of year, when people want to think about scary and supernatural things, let's talk about what God has to say to us. Because in the midst of a world full of darkness and deception, God's reality is our anchor, and he is the one who helps us to navigate what is true. So what I'm saying this morning is we live in this world of darkness, and we need to develop godly discernment so we don't let the darkness in. I'm going to put some words on the screen, and I want you to say this with me. Ready? Godly discernment guards us from darkness. One more time. Godly discernment guards us from darkness. Okay. Today we heard Marlene read a story from from uh, first, cha first Samuel chapter 28 about King Saul of Israel. Saul was 30 years old when he became king of Israel, and he reigned in Israel for 42 years. You can find his whole story in the book of First Samuel. In First Samuel chapter 10, Saul is anointed king, and do you know who anointed Saul king? It was the prophet Samuel. We saw him in the story that we read today. So Samuel anoints Saul king under the direction of God. God is the one who says this is going to be our king, and Samuel's the one who anoints him king. And then five chapters later, in 1 Samuel 15, God does a complete 180, and God says, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king in the space of just five chapters, 42 years. And so why did, did God say that about Saul? When I read that, I thought, why did God say that about Saul? 
Well, God said this about Saul because Saul had a, an annoying tendency, more than annoying, God ha- Saul had a troublesome tendency to do things his own way instead of doing things God's way. And we see an example of this in chapter 28, which is the story we heard today. Saul goes to visit this medium. And let's look here in verses 6 and 7. This says that the Lord refused to answer Saul. We're going to talk more about that in a second. The Lord refused to answer Saul, and he asked his advisors to go find him a medium. And here's the quote. So I can go and ask her what to do. So I can go and ask her what to do. So you might be thinking, what's a medium? Well, some translations use the word witch. So there's your tie back to spooky season, right? We, during the Halloween season, you see like these cartoon witches, pointy hats and riding a broomstick. I have no idea if that's what this person was like, but uh, she's called a medium in scripture. And a medium is simply somebody who is supposed to be able to communicate with the dead, contact spirits of the dead and help them communicate with those who are living. Scripture tells us this is evil. This is a sin against God. It's all over the Old Testament that evil uh, divination and witchcraft and sorcery and all those kinds of things are not okay with God. So here's some spooky stuff right here that's happening. Evil stuff. This story out of 1 Samuel 28 might actually be one of the spookiest stories in all of Scripture. So this is exactly what happens. Saul goes to the medium, right? We're going to call her Zelda. I don't know why. The Bible doesn't give her a name. I just like the name Zelda. I thought that fit for somebody like this, right? So Saul goes to Zelda, and he says, Zelda, I need your help. I need to talk to a dead man. I want you to get me the spirit of the prophet Samuel. So Zelda gets worried about this because she knows, hey, this is not okay. She figures out that it's Saul talking to her, and she's like, this isn't okay. Saul's the king. He can kill me. He probably should kill me if I do this. But he says, guess what? I'm not going to hurt you. You're going to be fine. You're going to be safe. And why does he do that? Because he's already made up his mind. He's going to do this his own way. And it doesn't matter what the consequences are to him. He's okay with her. She's not going to be hurt. So he's not going to have her killed. He assures her she's safe. And she actually does get in touch with the spirit of Samuel, which boggles my mind. She actually does what she's supposed to be able to do uh, in this evil way. That's your next spooky season moment. The spirit of Samuel, who is dead, actually visits Saul. And by the way, he's pretty ticked off with Saul when he gets there, too. Samuel basically says, so what's your problem again? The Philistines are at war with you, and and God's not talking to you and not giving you any help. Saul, maybe that's because God already rejected you as king. Maybe that's because he actually plans to hand you over to your enemies the very next day. Obviously, this is not what Saul wants to hear, right? See, God had stopped talking to Saul because Saul had repeatedly gone his own way. We hear that from Samuel in the passage here. He's like, Saul, you've been doing things your own way. God is not talking to you right now. He doesn't want to do things your way. Saul hasn't lived a life of discerning God's will through hearing and obeying God. He has simply made it up as he goes along. And here in chapter 28, Saul's going off the deep end now. He's leaning into darkness, not into godly discernment. Saul's dabbling in evil things that God has already spoken against. Remember what we said, godly discernment guards us from darkness. But that wasn't Saul. That wasn't what he was doing. It was his lack of discernment, his lack of obedience, that meant that Saul was letting the darkness in. 
and letting the darkness win. We're not going to cover all the times this morning that Saul took matters into his own hands and did things his own way. But by this point in his life, this, this scripture here in chapter 28 is showing us Saul is ready to go to extreme lengths and come up with his own ideas out of his limited and fallible and non-God human brain in order to work things out and figure things out for himself. He goes to this medium. It's definitely against God's law, and he knows it. Several places in the Old Testament, it talks about witchcraft and divination as being against God's law. And in fact, the actual verse in 1 Samuel 15, where Samuel tells Saul that he's now been rejected as king, that very verse actually mentions it. It says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft or divination. Samuel says to Saul, because you are rebelling against God, it's as bad as if you were contacting the dead or practicing witchcraft. And so Saul's, I guess, is like, I might as well go ahead and do that. Maybe I'll get some answers that way, right? He's kind of given up on God. This is exactly what God clearly didn't want Saul to be doing, yet he does it anyway. Now, I don't know about you, but the most surprising moment in this whole story comes next. Samuel shows up. God allows the spirit of Samuel to come and talk to Saul. Why would he do that? If God was so against these practices of witchcraft and divination, why would God allow the spirit of Samuel to come back and talk to Saul? Why would he answer Saul this way? Well, here's what I want you to catch. If you're taking notes or if you haven't taken any yet, now's the time. Ready? God wants our attention. God wants our attention. Look at what God does here. Saul is using these evil practices to try and get guidance for his life. He goes to this medium, supposedly under the pretense of getting God to help him. So, in other words, he's using deception and evil actions to try to manipulate God into helping him. So God waves a big, giant red flag in front of his face with what he allows Samuel to tell Saul. Look at verse 17. The Lord has done just as he said he would. He's torn the kingdom from you and given it to David. The Lord has done this to you today. Verse 19, what's more, the Lord will hand you and the army of Israel over to the Philistines tomorrow. Saul, God is getting your attention in the most shocking way. Look at these bold words here. He's torn the kingdom from you. He's done this to you. He will hand you over to your enemies. Then in verse 20, it says how Saul responded to this. It says that Saul was so, he fell full length on the ground and he was so afraid that he was paralyzed with fright because of Saul's words. God definitely gets Saul's attention. After all the rebellious things Saul has done, God makes it clear to him he's headed for destruction. Well, I think that's enough to paralyze anyone with fear if you heard that word coming to you from God. This morning, I want to tell you that if you're leaning into darkness anywhere in your life, I want you to know that God wants your attention. We might say, oh, we would never do this. I mean, that stuff sounds ridiculous to me. We're not practicing witchcraft. We're not uh, speaking to the dead. We're not doing any of those things. Saul's actions seem completely unreasonable, completely unbelievable. I got nothing to worry about, right? But what if we sometimes do the same thing in our own way? 
I know I have been just as rebellious as Saul sometimes. How about you? Just in different circumstances. We might say something like, Oh God, I know you want me to be a cheerful and faithful giver. I know that everything I have belongs to you. But listen, I just really needed those new shoes, that new outfit. I really needed that dinner out with my friends at my favorite expensive restaurant. Why is it, God, that you won't bless me with more income and make all my debt disappear? We might say something like, oh God, I know you want me to stay physically and emotionally pure for my future spouse, but hey, we just kind of couldn't control ourselves. We were going to get married anyway, so that's okay, right? I mean, why now that we're married, why is our marriage struggling so much with these issues? You're going to fix that for me, right? We want God to fix it for us. We find ourselves in situations where we become fearful because we don't know what to do, and it seems like God isn't answering us, but we're the ones who have put ourselves in those situations to begin with. What do you do when you find yourself in a situation like that? Where do you go for guidance? Now, maybe you've never gone to a medium for help, but have you ever gone to social media for help instead of God? It just got really quiet. There are all kinds of poor substitutes out there for godly guidance. So what are we putting our trust in? See, sometimes I think we wish that God was a vending machine. We want to put in our prayer quarter and get back a treat. Yeah, I haven't really followed your instructions, God. I haven't done things your way. But if I just say I'm sorry, you'll give me what I want, right? You'll give me that financial abundance or fix my marriage problems or make me wise or prosperous or fulfilled just because I ask nicely, right? Or along the lines of today's message, sometimes we want to open ourselves up to things that are obviously dark, things that are unlike the righteousness of God, and then expect the Holy Spirit to act like a barrier against it. You'll keep my thoughts pure, right, God? You'll keep the bad dreams away from me at night, right? You'll keep me from wanting revenge against people who hurt me. Right, God? But see, if I fill my head with things that are not like God, maybe it's horror movies or astrology or explicit songs or movies or violent stories or dark supernatural things, any of these things, why should I be surprised if they influence my thinking and pull me out of step with the Holy Spirit? My friends, I want you to know that Satan is real. He is our real supernatural enemy, and he's always looking for ways to invade our minds. That's why scripture tells us we have to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. He wants us to walk away from influences like this, not put ourselves in danger and then expect him to rescue us when we're desperate. God isn't a vending machine, but God certainly does love us. He certainly does want good things for us. The very first thing God wants with us is a relationship that starts with our surrender. We give up our will. We follow his will. Why do we do that? Because his way is better. In the midst of a dark world, God wants our attention. He wants us to turn to him and surrender to him so that he can work in us and set us on the path to freedom. Once we give God our attention and surrender to him, we're agreeing to follow him in obedience. 
something that Saul wasn't good at. We said God wants our attention, now God wants our obedience. That's the second point today. I recently heard it said that obedience is God's love language. If you're familiar with love languages, they're the way that each of us express and receive love the most freely and the most effectively. And so obedience is God's love language. When we obey God, we are speaking love to him. We're putting weight behind our words. We don't just say we love God. We show we mean it by how we act. You might know the scripture that says to obey is better than sacrifice. Anybody heard that one before? To obey is better than sacrifice. You know who said it? It was Samuel speaking to Saul in 1 Samuel chapter 15. God was saying, don't go do things your own way and then expect me to fix it for you. Sound familiar? God's not a vending machine. He doesn't want you to treat him that way. He wants you to choose him, to follow him, to obey him, and do things his way as a part of your everyday walking around life. It's your normal mode of operation. It's your default setting. Obedience says, I love God so much that I would rather do things his way and trust him to take care of me than trusting in myself to figure things out. God wants our obedience. Now, you might think, isn't God a rescuer? Doesn't God show up when the darkness is closing in? Can't we call on the name of the Lord and be saved? Anyone? Yes. Yes, we can. Yes, God is faithful. He's there in our time of need. But I want you to know the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ is different than the relationship Saul would have had with God. See, Saul's relationship with God went primarily through another person, Samuel. Samuel was the one who spoke on God's behalf, tried to give Saul the idea of what to do next. Samuel was the conduit that God used to speak to Saul. Now that you and I are able to be in relationship with God through the person of Jesus Christ, we have direct access to the Holy Spirit, to God's wisdom and discernment, to God's work in our lives. We have directly Uh, been able to access God through the salvation work of Jesus Christ. And you know, there's nothing cheap about that. We shouldn't treat God like a get-out-of-hell-free card. We should enjoy every single great thing that he's given us, every benefit in being being in relationship with him. But when we go after things of this world or when we lean into the darkness in any way, we're trading in the ultimate perfection of God for things that are deceptive, temporary, and unfulfilling. So I want to ask you today, have you put your trust in Jesus Christ? There is nothing in this world that is worth trusting like him. He loves you. He died to set you free from all of that. Today can be the day that you enter into a relationship with him that will not only save you from sin and darkness, but enable you to walk in freedom that comes from obedience to him. I want to take a moment just to pray together, to give that time to anyone who needs it to surrender to Christ today. Will you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? I just want to take one moment for prayer. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, and if you need to surrender to Christ, I'm going to invite you right where you are, just silently, you can respond to God by praying these words in your heart. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me. 
I know that you've provided a way out for me. I know that darkness is not where I'm supposed to be. I know that sin is not what I was made for. And I need your forgiveness. And I need your salvation. I surrender to you. I give you all of my will and all of my desires. I ask you to lead me. And I will follow you. In Jesus' name. That surrender is something that we do in a moment that lasts for a lifetime, but it's also something that we need to do on a regular basis. Sometimes we, if we've been following Jesus for a while, sometimes we find ourselves tempted to go back to the things that gave us comfort beforehand. We find ourselves tempted by things that are those, those things of darkness sometimes, those stories or that entertainment or those activities that might put us in a position where we end up in trouble and end up saying, God, I don't know how I got here and I need your help. So that surrender is something I want to encourage you to do on a regular basis. It's so important so that we learn how to walk in obedience to God. He wants our attention. He wants our obedience so that we can have that beneficial life with him every single day. We've already said God wants our attention and he wants our obedience. And this is my last point for today. God wants our renewal. Our renewal comes through relationship with God. See, Saul tried to offer sacrifices to God, but Jesus has already made the ultimate sacrifice for us. We can now be in direct contact with the Holy Spirit who lives inside with us, lives inside us. When we set all of our attention on God, when we're walking in obedience to him, he's working to renew us from the inside out. Part of that renewal is that he offers his wisdom and discernment for our lives. Here's a verse from 2 Peter chapter 1 that says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. In other words, not because of anything we've done, but because he's so good, he wants that for us. He wants us to have everything we need for life and godliness. This is the good news I want to share with you today. When you follow Jesus, you can and will receive everything you need for life and godliness. And when you've surrendered to Christ, you can hear his voice. You can hear it through prayer, through scripture, through godly people and the family of faith. You don't have to look for answers elsewhere. You don't have to look on TV or through going to parties or horoscopes or any of that stuff. You, don't, you won't have to seek fulfillment, fulfillment in dating relationships or in material possessions or worldly success. Because God has already given you everything you need and he wants to renew you and help you walk in freedom. Following Jesus means not having to figure things out on your own. Even though I know we're all tempted to do that sometimes. So I wanted to remind us today, godly discernment guards us from darkness. We need that godly discernment. There's so much darkness in the world. Our spiritual enemy trying to find a way into our minds. You know, Satan wants you and me to open that door to him just a little bit, any amount, so that he can try to get us off track from the freedom that God has given us. But discernment is the gift that God has given us so that we can recognize the work of the enemy and refuse to let it take our attention off of God's way for us. One of my favorite scriptures is from Romans chapter 12, right at the beginning of the chapter, and I want to read it for you today. 
I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies, your whole selves, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This passage in Romans 12 tells us that when we offer our whole selves to God, he will respond to us. That is the promise today. Verse 2 says we're transformed by the Holy Spirit renewing of our mind. He's made each of us into a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. And then look at this. Look at God's plan for us. He renews our mind so that we can know and do God's will. If you need godly discernment, and we all do, this promise is right here for you. It's yours for the asking. Just say, Jesus, I want to follow you. I surrender myself to you. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind so that I can know you and do your will. I know some people out there really like when you, when you have a couple of steps to follow. So I'm going to give you a three-step uh, invitation here that comes from some materials I found from Ligonier Ministries. Three steps to developing godly discernment. Number one, you can write this down, desire wisdom. Proverbs 9 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're actually going to hear more about that from Pastor Josh in a couple of weeks. Uh, But I wanted to bring it to you today. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Because God is our master and we submit to him. We ask him for wisdom and he's promised to provide it. So first, we desire wisdom. Second, know the truth. Psalm 119 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Know the truth. We're charged with knowing God's word, with letting it penetrate and change us from the inside out. God's word is living and active and it works inside of us. That helps us to know the difference between good and evil. Know the truth. Thirdly, test everything. We start with God as our master. We learn to know the truth, and then we can test everything that comes our way against what God says. That's what we just read in Romans 12 too. The renewing of our minds will enable us to test and approve what God's will is. God's renewing work in us is the final link in the chain that enables us to discern God's will for us. We don't have to guess. We don't have to look elsewhere. We don't need any other source. For guidance. This morning, my prayer for all of us is that God would grow us in discernment about what is right and what is true, and in the midst of darkness, in a deceptive world, that we would fully surrender to Him and trust Him. I want to give us just a few minutes. I have three reflection questions here at the end of this message, and I want to give you a moment to pray through them and think about them. The first one is what kinds of entertainment or activities might be tempting you to lean into darkness right now? Just take a moment to read that, reflect on it, and ask God in prayer to illuminate anything that needs your attention. Let's pray.
God spoke to you about something you need to pay attention to, just file that away, put it down, write yourself a note that you want to pay attention to what God is asking you to do or to change. Our second question for your reflection is where have you been looking for guidance that isn't godly? Maybe it's a friend who doesn't give you godly advice. Maybe it's an article or a media source. Maybe it's something else that is giving you guidance that doesn't line up with what God's word says. Where are you looking for guidance that isn't godly? And our last question is, what issue do you need godly discernment about in your life right now? Lift that up to God. What issue do you need discernment about? He'll help.